Hey everyone, welcome back to Behind the GM Screen. I'm Richard. Sakura Draven. And today we're talking about the real reason why you got into games, dice. All the dice. All the dice. <laughs> Who cares about everything else? We'd be writers with pencils if, uh, <laughs> if there wasn't dice. Uh, no, I don't know if that's true. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. But, um, you know, there's so many different dice and they're used in so many different ways. And at first glance, it'd be easy to say that dice are a gimmick. Why does Shadowrun use D6s and White Wolf use D10s? It's just a gimmick. They just they just like D10s more than D6s. Totally, but, I'm sure that's it. <laughs> but uh, I think the dice do something to the psychology of the GM and to the player, and they serve a purpose that, I mean, most of these game designers are very smart people, and they chose them for a, a particular reason, mm -hmm. and I thought that it would be cool if we kind of go through them a little bit and talk through our experiences with the dice and what we think are the advantages or disadvantages. And I think they all have advantages and disadvantages. And I think that you, uh, you in particular, because you have a much more homebrew approach <laughs> to things, you have kind of picked and chosen the best way to use the dice for your needs. Mm -hmm. So um, what do you think to start off with, um, like what, what was your first experience with dice in general, like non, non-monopoly dice? Oh yeah, that would definitely be my introduction to White Wolf and my first, first game that I sat down on, my partner at the time was like, make a character go. And then another player was like, here's some dice. And I'd never seen a D10. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I didn't know, I didn't know that dice came in other shapes at yeah. that time. I was like 20. <laughs> I was unaware of these things. So I was like, these are kind of cool. These are different. And then from there, he taught me D&D &D and I was introduced to all the other dice and the collecting began early on. It's, uh, it's impressed me how there's, it's, there's like an infinite number of dice. Mm -hmm. Like you have a lot of dice out here and there are still more dice. Um, when I first started getting into this, dice did not come pre-painted. Oh yeah. You had to, um, use the original D and D boxes. You had to rub the crayon into the yeah. numbers. Yeah. They would come with a crayon in the box. Uh, some of them came with a crayon in the mm -hmm. box and it's, uh, yeah. I mean, that was kind of fun. And honestly, sometimes, um, if you've been playing with the dice for a long time, you're like, my numbers are dirty. Mm -hmm. That's because we're filthy human beings. Yes, nobody washes their hands before they sit down at the table. Yeah. Well, even if you wash your hands before you sit down at the table, all the Cheeto dust, <laughs> like, like, why are my numbers orange? No you're gross. Cheetos at the game table, <laughs> ever. Um, but more than once, I've, like, carefully cleaned out a, a Dice's numbers with a mechanical pencil and then realized I removed the wax <laughs> because it was an old dye. I, I'm pretty sure I still have some in my uh, in my jar of dice that uh, that use wax for the numbers. Oh, memories! <laughs> memories. So um, you started with White Wolf D10s. Mm -hmm. 
I started with polyhedral, um, the you know the the full range of D four through D one hundred. Now, I I don't honestly I don't really have any particular preference. I really don't. So um, I buy dice because I like them, and I don't play with them. Most and most of these dice have never seen a game. They just never have. That's just so sad. They I, need to be played. I know. <laughs> um, I definitely like. What is your opinion on dice luck? Well, I mean, there's all kinds of superstitions, right? Yeah. <laughs> but there is a science to it. Some of the opaque dice can have air bubbles in them that would affect rolls. Yeah. Um, but I I have seen players that are despicably lucky, and I've seen players that. By all science accounts, you have to roll better than you do, <laughs> and they don't. Yeah. <laughs> so I've seen both sides. So I, uh, I definitely, I think certain dice are malformed mm -hmm. in a way that makes them a small percentage, not much, just a little bit more likely to roll certain numbers. And those dice, um, I am not ashamed to use because I think that die rolls higher or I think that die rolls lower. And I just feel like that's a perk of having hundreds of dice that if some of my dice happen to roll higher, I'm going to save them for when I need a high roll and some of them roll lower. That's, that's fine. Uh, it may be all in my head. I, I accept that this may be. Well, it's, it, this is. Dice, the relationship that a player or GM has with their dice is unique. Um, I pair my dice sets to my characters. I have specific GM dice that always roll really, really well for me. And I have character dice that roll really well um, for a specific character. But if I roll those dice with a different character, they will not roll. Is that in my head? Could be. Yeah. But that's, that's my relationship with the dice. Um, there's some dice that even the players during a session are like, you need to change your dice. Stop rolling those. <laughs> and actually, I'm very superstitious about changing out dice in the middle of a session. I choose all the pieces I want to use, and I hate grabbing for a different dice because I feel like this is the fate for the session today. Even in those moments, the players are telling me to change out the dice is because I'm screwing myself as the GM. <laughs> because the dice are just not working for me. But I like to just roll with that because that's one of the beauties. It doesn't matter what the players are deciding, doesn't matter what the GM has decided, the dice decide. I definitely, um, I have beliefs over which dice I think will roll better or wor roll worse, but I don't care in practice. Mm -hmm. So um, I do have dice that are color themed to certain characters that I've played. Yes. That even though I know those dice do not roll as well as the other dice, I use them anyways because I'm okay. It's a tiny, tiny tool yeah. in immersion. Yeah. yeah. And I encourage my players when they start to find their own dice to choose dice that they really, really like. Now, systems that choose to use multiple types of dice, which I call a polyhedral system. Okay. Um, versus systems that use single dice like Fate Core, um, Shadowrun, White Wolf. What, what is your opinion on 
on the two? I think that a single die system innately is going to be easier for new players, especially players who have no understanding whatsoever of of roleplay games and dice. Um, I think a single die system makes it a lot easier than when I introduce new players to D&D or a multiple dice system. I actually take my uh, diffusion dice, which are large chunky mm -hmm. dice, and I lay them all out on my GM screen. They're tacky glued to it with the description underneath each card so that I, when I say a D4, the players are like, okay, that's the one I need. It's still something that slows people down. Yeah. In grasping which dice, which die was it? Which which one do I roll for that? And I think for the brand new players, it can be a challenge to get around. So what do you think is is easier for a brand new player? Being given a stack of D10s like White Wolf mm -hmm. or a stack of D6s like Shadowrun? Well, I think D6s, I mean, of course I'm going to biasly say D10s, but I think D6s because innately we've all played Monopoly. We've all played games... Um, most people can recognize the pips and the numbers and understand how to relate those numbers to the character. Like, are we adding up all the numbers? Mm -hmm. Are we looking for certain numbers? Like most players can get behind D6s a lot faster than a D10. So you're saying Shadowrun is better than White Wolf? No. <laughs> nice try. <laughs> I will always say that White Wolf is better than anything else, but that's because I'm all completely immersed in this system. With Numerous times I've actually made a, uh, like worked on a White Wolf version of Shadowrun. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so I, I think the, I think the world of Shadowrun is superior for me and my tastes, but the rule system for White Wolf is, is better. So, yes. um, I think that yes, for new players, it can be easier to, you know, just recognize, hey, here, you know, sometimes you roll 5d10 and sometimes you roll 9d10 and you just look at your character sheet and it kind of tells you what they are. But I think the idea of the polyhedral dice at its core, especially if you play um, Dungeons and Dragons, not not D&D 5th edition or, mm -hmm. or AD&D or, you know, anything like that, but... Um, you know, D and D or, um, apocalypse world or any of the other games that are inspired from it. I think the core of those games, it was meant to be easier mm -hmm. than giving people a stack of D sixes Yes, because you could say, Hey guys, you know, that D eight, that D eight is for swords and it's for healing. Oh, Hey, D6s, those D6s are for um, clubs and fireballs. Mm -hmm. And so if you're a wizard, you only use D6s like for a certain type of thing. And you knew your D4s were like your hit points or your magic missiles. And there was like very few things and each of your die would be used for a different thing. And I remember that I kind of would complain that I needed, because I always played wizards, <laughs> that I needed more D4s than everybody else. And D4s were kind of rare because they didn't have any use. No, but whereas the Except clerics... Except for just step on and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Legos and D4s. Mm. So whereas the fighters and the clerics used stacks of D8s. 
And as a wizard, I never needed a D8 like at all. Like I yeah. never needed a D8. So um, I think the, like the core idea of, hey, this type of die is this type of thing. Um, it it kind of works. And I think, and we talked about a little bit this uh, before the episode, I think for the GM, I think that it can be easier to understand what's going to happen. Because mm-hmm. presumably for the GM, the dice are second nature to you. You never get confused between a D4 and a D8 or a right. D10 and a D12. You know exactly what they are. And if you know how many hit points that a monster has, you have a rough idea how many hits it's going to take to kill the boss. And so you know how to make it more challenging. And it's relatively easy. And I think that um, polyhedral systems, not just D&D, but all the different polyhedral systems, the combat is easier for the game master to understand how challenging he's making it or she's making it for the players. Whereas it is much more unknown in White Wolf. Are the (laughs) players going to just insta-kill this thing? Or is this thing going to wipe them all? Yep. White Wolf's combat tends to be very swingy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just it's, <laughs> And that's what the polyhedral dice kind of give you because it's easier to, um, to understand. The monster has 40 hit points. Mm-hmm. The players do an average of 10 points of damage per attack. That means it's going to take them at least four rounds or four mm-hmm. attacks to, uh, you know, to kind of succeed. But... Let's let's move on to um, the decision maker dice. So yeah, we've got all these extra dice, but they don't really matter. The D twenty is the decision maker dice for D and D, such that any game inspired from D and D is called a D twenty based mm-hmm. game, right? So um, Pathfinder is a D twenty game, and um, Star Wars inspired a d20 based game the new fantasy flight game is more like fate core Mm. kind of the way the kind of dice that they use they actually use their own custom dice that they get to sell Mm. of course they do (laughs) of course they do fantasy flight games but but the game is so good it's so much better but there is a d20 version of star wars that people loved for like 15 years Mm so um d20 based games what do you think about them i love d20 based games um, I've, I've only played a few, so I do believe I played an older version of Star Wars. I've played a very interesting homebrew where the GM used fake core, but instead of the fake core dice, it was a single D20. It was brilliant. I loved it. Um, I think that was probably my favorite, uh, D20 adaptation. So instead of rolling three fake core dice or mm-hmm. fudge dice, you We roll- rolled a D20 and, um... He had different ways of mitigating the stats on the fly. It was it was actually an excellent, um, an excellent imitate implementation. Because fake core to me, I never got behind. Although I love the dice, <laughs> <laughs> I have bought all the fake core dice, even for a system that I won't play. <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely talk about uh, fake core dice, or I, I've never heard them called fake core dice, but I always call them fudge dice. But. Um, that's because I think fake core is based off of another role playing game. Um, well, fake core is them... how I was introduced to fudge dice. Exactly. So yeah. the lexicon sticks in me. Yeah. 
Um, I definitely Fate Core is more popular than the core role-playing games that introduced uh, Fetch Dice. But um, what I really like about D20s is if something is harder, it's so easy to increase the number by one. Yes. If you want to make the players feel really good and be like, oh, that was a great idea. You Mm -hmm. get plus two Mm -hmm. to your role. And in their heads are like, you know, we did this extra work. We came up with this extra idea and it's 10% more likely to succeed. It's so easy. Mm-hmm. Plus two, 10%. And I think that when, uh, if it's important to you as a GM that players do things that are reasonably possible for their character to be able to do. Right. Then um, D20 is easy. Probably one of the easiest. Uh, I agree. Like if if you play a vampire, it's very difficult to know, can I flip a bus? (laughs) It's just just hard. You can try to flip a bus. And some vampires can easily do it. Yep. And some can't. Yep. Um, a lot of times, I mean, for me, I would probably just, um, I would probably just say, well, you know, if, if, uh, you spend your, some blood up to strength five, or whatever, it's not a roll. You just, you just flip the bus. Mm-hmm. That's fine. You, you paid the cost of doing this action, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, it, it can be, it can be difficult in some other games, but in D20, it's so easy. On the other hand, you do have to keep track of these numbers. Yes. And that's where the index card stack comes from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just the numbers alone. Uh, I know people hate fourth edition D and D it's like, it's like popular to hate it, but, uh, I ran it for two years and I had all the, all the books and I really loved it. One of the things I loved was the fact that they only allowed one d20 roll per round Mm -hmm. as a general rule so if you got a second attack because you used an offhand weapon then you would just get a like a bonus to attack and then an extra die of damage and that represented the the fact that if you use two weapons and you're skilled in it then you have an increased chance of hitting or whatever and if you have two weapons, you're going to do more damage, but right. there wasn't more rolls. So you didn't have to keep track like, oh, I'm, I'm attacking with 2d20 and 1d20 has plus 17 and 1d20 mm-hmm. has plus nine. And then I do a d8 plus eight damage with my main hand. And I do a d8 plus four with my off hand. And, you know, already some people are probably like kind of zoning out because I just threw out a bunch of numbers, <laughs> but that is D and D and, um, fourth edition got rid of a lot of that and they resolved it to just the good part of D twenties are easy. Also it, um, it's hard to scale because you just increase numbers forever. Yeah. And then you're like, well, okay, well, it's plus 17 to hit, but um, I don't want it to be too easy for the characters. So instead of it being a difficulty of 11, I'm going to move the difficulty to 16. Well, now what is the probability of, of success? Well, it's 
you'd think it's 100% because the bonus is higher than the difficulty, except it's actually only um, 95% chance because you always have a failure chance of one. Mm-hmm. So there's just all this stuff. There always has to be a chance of failure. Yeah, there's always had. Well, yeah, otherwise don't roll. Yeah. That's fine. I mean, it's fine for there not to be a chance of failure. But if if just the dice are going on the table, there has to be a chance of failure. Yeah. So D10s. What is the advantage of D10s? Because you get to roll a fistful and it sounds amazing. It's satisfying. You know, when you've got your biggest powerful characters and you're rolling on average 10 D10s, um, and we won't even get into uh, being able to re-roll those, but like just grabbing up all those dice and shaking them in your hand and letting them fly is just really satisfying. What what other advantages are there other than it <laughs> sad is like soothing your soul? <laughs> That's all there needs to be. Um, okay, so D tens are just again thinking about new players, mm-hmm. easy for new players to understand. Uh, D ten system is what I explain is it's a dice pool system. You have so many dice in a roll to uh, toss on the table and see what successes you get. You've got a target number, you have to beat the target number. Simple. So new players can get behind that. They can understand that. They pick it up quickly. And when I need to, when I've run through the first roll and the next roll comes around and I explain, okay, roll five D- D10s, difficulty six or higher, they've already grasped it. Yeah. Instead of going, wait, which which die is it? Okay, I need this number. And it's new player friendly. What I like about D10s is that similar to the D20, most people even if they're not good at math, can understand the probability mm-hmm. of a D10. Roll one D10, six or better, is a success. Yep. Oh, you mean 50%? Yes, I mean, you have a 50% chance of success. It's easy. Mm-hmm. People get that. And uh, we'll talk about D6 in a moment, but it D10s are very easy for the player to understand if they, if they're allowed to know the number of successes that they need, mm-hmm. which sometimes they're not. But if they're allowed to know, then they can kind of guess. Oh, I need three successes, and I get to roll nine dice. I probably can be successful in that. I feel like I, I can be good with that. Um, the other thing I like about D tens is that even if you're some sort of elder vampire and you're rolling a ridiculous <laughs> number of dice or a werewolf or something with 12 dice or 13 dice. Oh yeah, it gets it gets insanity real quick. You can still fail. Mhm. Brutally fail. So epic. It just <laughs> You um, just rolled 12 dice and failed. <laughs> I've done it. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I love those moments. <laughs> um I I have no faith in in dice like like I trust numbers with D twenties. It's just bonuses. Mm-hmm. Typically, it's a D twenty plus a bonus. I trust that. <laughs> I do not trust that if I roll ten dice and I need two dice to be higher than sixes. Nope. Mm-hmm. I I think I can. I have a good chance of failure on that. Um, but that's good because it actually makes the game more interesting, and it means that there's a lot you can do in terms of saying, well, you got nine successes. You were tremendously successful Mm -hmm. at this thing. Yes. Um, 
whereas in a d20 based game it's much more difficult to say like it's just i mean i guess technically you could do it you could say well you needed a 12 and you got a 17 so you you were really successful nobody does that that's mm-hmm. not how it works <laughs> it's really pass fail yep. critical failure critical success that's that's the d20 way yes d10s it's it's part of it mm-hmm and and it's one role typically it's one role yes that determines you were successful and how successful were you right and that's all built into one role less roles means that the game's going to run faster mm-hmm. and um i think there's inherently something with rolling a bunch of dice and sliding three of them to the side and saying these three are the successes Mm -hmm. what happens yeah and it's somehow it's different than saying i got a 15 i needed a 12. yeah exactly it's not math anymore it's it's counting Mm -hmm. which is probably math but it just doesn't feel like math so (laughs) leave me alone guys (laughs) um yeah i i I like d10 systems a lot Mm -hmm. i think um I think humans inherently understand powers of 10. We have 10 fingers, 10 toes. Um, it, it, it works at a deep level with our brains. I think the, um, the negative is the, the negative could be that, yeah, you can fail on 10 dice, 12 dice, <laughs> and it doesn't make a lot of, a lot of sense, but. I don't think that's a problem because again, if, um, if you're asking whether the elder werewolf thing can break down a door, don't have them roll. Yeah. Does it make any sense? Yeah. I, I am definitely one to, I've even had narrative combat. Yeah. So there's, there is a time and a place where as a GM, you can set the dice aside and more engage in the narrative. Um, but if there's ever a question with the players coming to me for something like, can I do this? Then I will always, always come up with a dice roll on the fly. And that's where I've taken the other D&D polyhedra dice and brought it into my White Wolf game mm-hmm. for that adaptability. Yeah. The dice episode's gone long. It's going long. It's going we can long, talk guys. for we- dice about days. All right. <laughs> A little bit longer. I, I do want to have a, a second, con- separate conversation about narrative combat because that can be some of the best combat. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So, fake core dice. Mm-hmm. Why do they suck? <laughs> I, like I said, with fight, with my introduction to fake core dice and fake core in general, my opinion is fake core is a great game if you have a table full of GMs. It's not a good day- game for people who can't improvise on the fly. Fake core dice to me just aren't as satisfying because you've got so many blank faces, and then it's 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 even hard for me to find a good way of using them other than enemy markers. <laughs> I I despise playing with um, fudge dice or fake core dice, and I think. The, the core of it, I mean, typically, guys, if you're not familiar with it, two of the sides have positives, two mm-hmm. of the sides have negatives, and two of the sides have blanks. 
and you typically have a, a stat, maybe one, if you're kind of like not that good at it, maybe a two, if you're better at it and you roll some dice and you add up all the pluses, you take away all the minuses and you add your core. If you're, if you have anything like, you know, that makes you good at it or better at it, you know, built in. And then you say, I got a, a one or a two. And already those numbers are really low. It's, it's just not satisfying. When you add a die, it does not increase the chances of success. Mm -hmm. So you say, well, I have two dice. And if I do something, I'm allowed to roll a third die. Well, that didn't increase your chances of success at all because right. every die is only adding a 33% chance of a positive and a 33% chance of a negative. So that's what I inherently don't like about it because with a D10, if you increase your stat and now you roll an extra D10, mm -hmm. you're happy. Yes. That's amazing. But in fate core, when you increase the stat, you don't roll more dice. You increase the stat. That's just more, more of a built-in bonus that you just get to that thing. And the, the, fa the fate dice are just fate. Yeah. It's supposed to be a 50%, yeah. not even 50% chance. It, well, I guess it, yeah, it's every two dice is a 50% chance. I don't even know. It's garbage. I hate it. I, I, hate I think it. the biggest thing is, again, I have all the fate core dice for a different reason, but anytime I have to roll a die and it gives me a blank face, it's in any game, you know, uh, X-Wing or whatever. I hate it because it's so disheartening. Yeah. I'd rather fail by number than fail just by completely blank. It's just so, really bad. But I use my fake core dice as enemy markers, so they have use. <laughs> uh, I I have them for certain games that use them. You, um, I, I just accept it what it is. Obviously, these designers have designed it. Again, they represent chance, not skill. Mm -hmm. And yes, that's fine. But I like dice to represent the positive chance. That the player has like because the player is so much better they they have more of it i don't know uh whatever um hate them don't like them in games but i like some of the games that use them so i still have had fun with them yeah despite them not because of them <laughs> um d6 based games have you played any games that use d6s the way white wolf uses d10s uh dragon age okay the how does dragon age work so Dragon Age, you have three D6s, and one, two of them are the same color, and one of them is an off color. That's your dragon die. Okay. And you roll those D6s, and you add up your numbers, and if you uh, roll doubles on any of them, then you can apply the dragon die number to spend stunt points, and those are spent in different ways. Uh, stunt points can be spent in combat to do things like um to charge an enemy and move double your speed mm -hmm. to t attack twice the different things and for magic users and rogues it's the stun points can be used in different ways um it's i like the system because of the stun points okay. because if you roll those doubles and you can use those stun points and you have so many and you can decide how you use them so it's not where you roll a one you can only do this one thing it's you roll the stunt point you can spend however you want mm -hmm. to choose to do the thing. And I like 
the Dragon Age system. I like the that age fantasy age. I think is what is the expanded world yeah. to that. Um, a lot because of that. And D6s are kind of my bane, but that's for a personal reason, because I can't read pips as quickly as other people. Okay. So that's a... Yeah, uh, but, I mean, you can just not get pips. Yes. Except the Dragon Age dice that actually came with the oh. book roll really well for me Okay. <laughs> as the GM, so I tend to use them. It just takes me longer to calculate it. Uh, so yeah, I've used it. I've played the the Dragon Age, the some of the Expanded Age, Fantasy Age, um, uh, Will Wheaton's game titan titan age also okay. use the same system so i've enjoyed all of that i uh in, in shadow run it's more directly like white wolf so you take all of your attribute so you have four three two whatever um and you add it to your skill and that's how many dice you roll then there's obviously there's like various factors that can make it easier so you get more dice if you're using a gun on auto fire that's going to add a lot more dice mm. but it's going to burn through your clip things like that and you roll them and everything that's a four or better is a success so 50 percent chance every die and um you add up how many successes you you got and that's how successful you were so if you're trying to hack into a corporate firewall maybe that needs seven successes typically you don't know so most things are uh, extended roles so you the gm knows how hard it is in the you know it's the hackers like okay i'm gonna spend this round trying to do an extended role to hack in okay i got three successes and the gm's like well you can see that the corporate firewall is starting to activate defenses, um, enemy AI that can fry your brain. And the rest of the players are like, hey, it's getting hot out here. Like more security guards are showing up. Get in here quick. And the player can be like, okay, well, I'm going to roll again next round. And, you know, it kind of just keeps building up. And you eventually say, like, I, I now I have seven successes, nine successes, 10 successes. The difference between White Wolf and Shadowrun is I feel like there is a lot more extended roles a lot more oh I'm trying to pick a lock okay well you need five successes so you can't do that in one roll it's going to take a lot of roles mm -hmm. um, and I just think that that reflects a more technological world where you could easily do it like well um, I'm going to break down a door okay well it's not all or nothing you you have to batter it down so you need nine successes total to eventually break through this door and that could work easily in white wolf or or shadow run or anything like that um i think it's easy to kind of keep track of these successes and be like okay i need five so i got two and then i got another two and then i got one or i got an extra two or whatever mm -hmm. um you touched on something that i think we can do a whole episode about because we're already running a little bit long <laughs> which is the the extra systems mm -hmm. and uh so with shadowrun that's called edge with star wars there's a uh, force points and right. that's really interesting because in the uh, newest version of star wars when you roll certain things it um it gives the gm dark side points they can spend to screw the players hmm. but then um that gives the players light side points they can use to um uh, do heroic feats okay 
So um, when the music plays in the movie and it, like the Jedi is doing crazy stuff, like that's the dramatic moment when suddenly the gate shuts down and cuts a, <laughs> cuts the enemy cyber droid in half or whatever. Um, it's it's pretty cool, and we could do a whole episode about those um, manipulation <laughs> techniques. We can talk about dice for days. Yeah, dice, dice. <laughs> but um, the thing about the D6 as opposed to the D10 is I think it is much more difficult, possibly the most difficult for players to understand their probability of success. I agree with that. I'm going to roll nine D6s. Each of those D6s have a 33% chance of success and um, or 50% chance. To, I, I can't remember, honestly, if it's fours or fives, but it's some percentage of chance of success and you got to you need seven, like how many times do I need to roll these dice to get seven? I don't know. It like it starts getting really complex. Whereas the D10s are easy inherently just because of the fact that it's 10% per, mm -hmm. per number. But I, uh, unless you have any, any other points, I think, uh, I think it's pretty obvious. D6s are really just like D10s and, uh, they're just smaller. Yeah. And and you can steal them from your old cheap board games. <laughs> yes, you can. Um, uh, anything else before we wrap up? Uh, I'm really interested to see our listeners go to our social media and show us their dice. Yeah, definitely. So dice show and tell. If go. if you're listening to this podcast and you didn't get to see all the dice that we put out, and if you saw the video, the dice are very small, except mm -hmm. for my giant d d <laughs> dice. Um, and you're going to be able to see more of them on our Instagram yes, and our other social media. I will media. post some of my dice so, on there. There we go. All right, everyone. Uh, with that, until next time, bye, guys. Bye. <laughs>